Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're talking about source selections and protests and that kind of thing. Let's get started. Okay, the Air Force tried to do something that a commercial company or, or a person would do. They tried to get a bunch of proposals and then pick a couple of vendors that, when combined, fulfilled all of their needs. Sounds easy enough, but it turns out that it's a really tough thing to write a source selection plan for. As you might guess, this resulted in a protest that was sustained, and that's code for the Air Force lost, the government lost, at least on one point. Before we dive into the details of this one, let's stop and say thanks. Thanks this week is a general thank you to the lots of people who listen to our podcast and share it with at least one other person because uh, our downloads and listens have increased a lot over the years. And so if you've told one person about our podcast, thanks for doing that because that's how people are finding the information that we're giving away for free is for people sharing it. You said lots, a lot there, and I'll use it again. We'd like it even more if you told a lot of people about the podcast, but for everyone that's told at least one person that they enjoy the podcast, get some value out of it, learn from it. Thank you very much. All right, back to our topic. What are we talking about today? We're talking about a specific protest case that really exemplifies how difficult government acquisition can be. The headline of this one is GAO denies Air Force leeway to conduct trade-off using paired proposals. And I know that's, that's a, a mouthful right there. Try to summarize it for you. A company called Blue Origin Florida LLC submitted a pre-award protest and GAO sustained it, challenging the basis for award for an Air Force solicitation. The Air Force was going to award two competitive fixed-price contracts for space launch services. So the RFP had evaluation criteria and the relative importance of those criteria. The tweak is they weren't going to conduct a standard source selection where they do one-to-one trade-off to determine the top two best value proposals. Instead, what they're going to do is awarded two offers that, when combined, represented the best value to the government. So in other words, the government wanted the ability to say, okay, I like the parts of these two offers, and I'm going to put them together. Right. What they were afraid of was that the top two ranked proposals would have common strengths and weaknesses, and somebody else that submitted a proposal might have strengths that offset the weaknesses. If I can pick and choose the combination of proposals that fit all of my needs best, then I can offset the, the strengths and weaknesses and get the best overall for my agency and for my mission. Don't be so creative. The GAO statement, they, they, they reasoned, short of colluding with other potential offers to coordinate their respective proposals, it is not apparent how an offer could intelligently compete (laughs) because the offer is going to be evaluated based on their general compatibility with another company's proprietary bid and not the merits of their own proposal. Unless every offer is able to team with every other offer and submit proposals with each offer that offset all these strengths and weaknesses, which is incredibly expensive and would take forever to do, how do you win if best value isn't my proposal? It's my proposal with something I don't know. And I've never seen. And as a contracting officer, that's got to be frustrating. It's like, I'm trying to do something innovative. <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> to make this work. And you're telling me that, that I, I can't take the, I can't cherry pick. So, no. The protest consisted of four separate allegations or challenges to the process. 
Only one of them sustained. And that was that the RFP said that the award was going to be made to two offers that, when combined, represent the overall best value to the government. The contracting officer got to defend himself or herself, and they said, hey, it's in the RFP. We're not going to trade off based on the individual merits of each proposal, but based on pairings. So we're going to... If we think we're going to get four proposals offer A, B, C, and D, we're going to compare A and B together against A and C together against A and D together, and, and same with B and C and B and D and C and D, to make sure that all the combinations are covered. And that's how we're going to award. And they said this will provide, in quotes, a little leeway in how the source selection authority will actually decide which pair of proposals are the best value when combined. We all want leeway, but leeway is something that the federal government's acquisition process has tried to do away with because it's very difficult to say you conducted a fair process if you have too much leeway. I've been talking a lot, Kevin. I'll let you get back in here in a minute, but I, I really, I want people to understand that, that the hypothetical situation that makes total sense is that Set aside the fact that there's two independently developed and submitted proposals, that when you assess them individually against your evaluation criteria, these are the, the highest ones. The Air Force is looking for complementary attributes so that if the top two ones share common weaknesses, a third offer that, that wasn't the highest ranked but offsets those that weakness could be chosen and your overall best value is, is achieved, that you, you, you do away with that weakness and you award to a combination that actually is, is the best, the best for you, the best for the country, the best for the agency. I love that idea. Well, and it's a great strategy to be able to say, okay, if not for this gap in the proposal, it'd be perfect. Well, guess what? This company over here fills that gap. So the best thing to do is give us, give us a solution. Hey, contracting officer, award a contract that actually solves the problem in the best way possible. Well, pairing the proposals seems like a logical way to do that. Yeah. We said up front we're going to award two contracts, so let's pick the two that overall give us the best outcome. And then here comes the fun. Yeah, the GAO. <laughs> they call the fun away. The GAO said that the Air Force's when combined basis for the award fails to provide an intelligible basis upon which offers are expected to compete. And intelligible is such a, such a judgmental word. <laughs> It's like a, a clear basis is what they're they didn't saying. say it was a bad idea. They said you didn't explain it well enough for offers to know <laughs> how to win. Another GAO statement is we find that to, to link this to the FAR, the GAO said we find that the RFP's basis for award methodology fails to reasonably number one represent the key areas of importance and emphasis to be considered in the source selection decision, and number two support meaningful comparison and discrimination between and among competing proposals as required by FAR Part 15.304B. So what the GAO is saying is that you've got company A and company B, and then company C loses, right? And they say, well, sorry, you lost company C. We took parts of A and B. And of course, company C says, I have no idea what they were even doing. How am I supposed to compete with that? Right. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's the inherent problem. Company C says, so I would have won... If there was a single award, or, <laughs> yeah. or I would have won if you would have just evaluated me against your criteria, but instead you're evaluating me against 
the combination of me and somebody I don't know what they wrote against the criteria. Huh. And that, that's a funny little part of the far as it requires <laughs> <laughs> that we go through this path. I, I gotta say, this, this is a really good try by the, by the Air Force to, to do something smart, right? To do something good. I, 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 I totally get the idea of why you would want to pick two, right? Pick, pick the best two that together fix your problem. I, I, I totally get it. This is really hard stuff. So we don't want to throw shade on the Air Force for trying it or, or, or for, for, for even for, for failing. At least they tried to do something that makes sense. Yeah, we made it. We made a, <laughs> and we've, sorry. <laughs> and we even made a podcast out of it. It was so interesting. <laughs> I'm not sure what that says about us, but here we go. Interesting to us anyway. Yeah, true. I just dropped a FAR reference, so let's segue right into FAR time. That FAR reference is FAR 15.304B1, which is Evaluation Factors and Significant Subfactors. And that's the section that tells you the government has to lay out specifically what they're going to evaluate and how. And they don't get to evaluate anything more, and they have to evaluate everything that they said they were going to evaluate. You have to be able to read it. It has to be... It has to be intelligible. There's that word again. You have to be able to read Is it. Is it legible? Or t- yeah, that, that, sorry. That, that's such a judge. If I'm a contracting officer and you tell me that my RFP was not intelligible, I'll be a little crazy about your judgment. <laughs> what, what it means is you have to be able to read it and understand how to win. Yes, that's fair. If I answer all these questions, if I score well against all these evaluation factors, I win. Not if I score well when combined with other proposals that I have no idea what they're about. Correct. And I didn't even know they were proposing. Also, since we're talking about protests, protests are part 33 of the FAR. Part 33 is protests, disputes, and appeals. Specifically, this was a pre-award protest. This was when the RFP was released. The company submitted their protest and said, I don't know how to win this. That's when you want to do it. You don't want to wait until the very end you don't want to wait till you lose and then try to say, well, I didn't know how to win because then it's too late. Then you're not timely. And that's a whole different rabbit trail to go down. We'll get into pre-award protests later. We've actually done several episodes about protests. We should probably do a sp- more specific protest episode again soon. We'll, we'll do an episode about the timeliness of protests. Got it. Let's get back to this specific protest, though. Back to why GovCon is so hard. At its core, the government has to be fair to every offer. They're trying to be fair to every offer. And sometimes that makes it next to impossible to do what's best for your agency or your mission or, or the taxpayer because fair is very it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair isn't always fast. It isn't always cheap. Um, and fair to whom? Those are all judgment calls. And, and the FAR is, like you said, the FAR is trying to, I don't want to say eliminate, but minimize <laughs> judgment to, to a reasonable extent. And this is an example of points to the contracting officer and the, and the acquisition team on the, on the Air Force for trying to find a way to be more innovative here. But the pendulum, t- the, yeah, the pendulum swung too far. Right. Too, too leeway. much leeway. Yeah. The, the government acquisition system at its core says that you must evaluate each offer on the merit of its own proposal against the RFP's specified evaluation criteria. We say it all the time on the podcast. Government, you have to tell offers exactly what you're going to evaluate and how you're going to evaluate it up front. You can't 
change your mind later when you get proposals and you see something great in there that you didn't really ask for and then award to that because you didn't ask for it up front and give everyone a chance to compete for that. Industry folks, the government can only evaluate exactly what you write in your proposal. Even if they have personal knowledge, even if they know more about your offering and what you can do, and they highly value that more. If you don't write that into your proposal, they can't give you credit for it and award for you. And, and in this case, if they were awarding a combination of what you wrote and what somebody else wrote, you can't control what somebody else wrote. And that's why this whole thing falls apart. Right. The GAO, again, we'll go back to your favorite word. The GAO says, it's not apparent how an offer could intelligently compete when it's a built. Oh, that's not your favorite word. Well, no, it is. It's my favorite word on this episode. There's a difference between intelligent and intelligible. Yeah, intel. Yeah, again, don't don't tell me my RFP wasn't intelligent. (laughs) I'm going to get a little bit. uh, It doesn't say the RFP isn't intelligent. It says the offer couldn't intelligently compete when its ability to receive a contract award is not predicated on the merits of its own proposal, but rather is dependent on its general compatibility with a proposal independently developed and submitted by another offer. That's, that's what you just said. I don't know what he wrote. So how can yeah, I, and I can't know, and I'm not allowed to know. The right. doesn't let me know. <laughs> right. And that GAO uses that far part 3.301 a talks about collusive bidding or sharing a business. That's an anti-competitive practice that is not allowed. For this type of competition, you're not teaming with them. You can't talk to them and say, well, you bid this and I'll bid this and we'll be the best combination. FAR 3.303C1 also talks about antitrust laws where two or more companies can't combine to bid and and dominate the market when at least one of the companies has sufficient capabilities and production capabilities to do it alone. What they don't want to happen is Companies say, well, we could have a knife fight on pricing here, or we could just bid together and then make a whole lot of money because nobody else can compete then. Nobody else can compete against us. Now, you probably do this kind of thing all of the time in your own life without even thinking about it. You, you evaluate all the options and you pick a couple of them that solve all your needs. I'm going to use one analogy here that's not complete, but sort of describes the situation. Think about transportation for your family. You know you're going to buy two vehicles because you need one for each spouse, one for each parent here. Your use case is one spouse has a long commute and one spouse spends a lot of time transporting the family. So you want, for the commute, you want super gas mileage and a comfortable vehicle to spend a long time in. For the transport, It's got to seat at least five people with child seats, plus room for all that extra soccer stuff and and cheerleading props. I don't know, all the stuff that you need to to, (laughs) to keep your family running, right? So that's not an easy thing to satisfy with one vehicle. Do you buy them entirely independently? Probably not. You probably kind of bundle those requirements and you buy two vehicles that together meet all those needs. You could buy two of the same vehicle, the exact same vehicle type that semi satisfy the entire requirement set. You, you could get two vehicles that have pretty good gas mileage and technically seat everybody, but you, you still have to buy one of those car topper things to put, to put your luggage, <laughs> everything in, right? So that's not a, 
a great fit for a lot of families. So many of them buy one tiny car that gets great mileage for the commute, and then a minivan or an SUV for family transport. In this case, you have all the flexibility in the world to decide what combination. And and you don't walk into the dealer saying, okay, so I have this I, I need two cars that do these two things. Give me all of your different options, and then I'm I'm going to tell you which pieces I'm going to, uh, which piece of which car I'm going to buy later. That's exactly what the Air Force was trying to do: is to say, okay, give me your solutions. I'm going to cherry pick which parts I want. They yeah, they're they're that. saying here's one set of requirements. If you satisfy all of them, I may pick you, or I may decide that hey, I want two different things: one that <laughs> one that solves one set better. And one that solves the other set better. But together, together, that's a better combination than your one vehicle that does everything okay. right? But they're not telling you that up front. So how do you know whether to bid one of each vehicle or one vehicle that does it all, sort of? It just shows how hard it is for the government to do what, what we don't even think about being a difficult thing to do in our personal lives or, or for our businesses. If you're a CEO of a company and you need your requirements satisfied, you get 10 bids you can pick any two of them you want. You don't even have to explain to the other people why they lost. You don't even have to ask other people to, to try to modify their requirements to better combine with someone else. You can just pick two and move on with life. Let's stop and link this to the acquisition and execution time zones, Kevin. Everything we're talking about here is acquisition time zone. This is actually- A pre-award process. Yeah, pre-award. <laughs> this, is, this is during the requirement zone when the government's trying to figure out what exactly do we need to buy and how should we bucket those requirements? Market research zone is, I guess, where you're starting to figure out how to bucket them. How should we go about acquiring these? And you should be asking industry, what if we do this? What if we do this? Here's our plan. Give us comments on the RFP. Apparently in this case, I don't know how much they talked to industry, but when the RFP came out, it was not looking good to the company that protests. They said, I don't know how to win based on this. Essentially, what the what the Air Force said is that rather than you industry picking the perfect teaming partner, we are going to team you up afterwards, and yeah. that's the inherent flaw yeah. in this. Is, yeah. is, is, that's a great thing to be able to do. Like like when you're buying a car, you're, you're picking the pairing of those two cars. You're picking which cars are going to work for you. That's what the Air Force is trying to do: is which cherry pick which cars they wanted because of the competition rules and all the far references you talked about. During the, the requirement in the market research zone, that's when that conversation needed to happen. And unfortunately, it obviously didn't happen enough that the only way it ended up happening was through a pre-award. Yeah, they had, to, they had to force it. And it's not like they have to team together to build something. It's, it's, it's a, a award partners. It's, it's even harder because you're independently delivering things to satisfy requirements and your independent deliveries together satisfy all the requirements. It's, it's, it's it's again, it's something that you don't even think about in your own life, but think about trying to write it and pull off a source selection in a way that that makes sense. So that's the acquisition time zones. This isn't really execution time zones. They didn't get to award here. This is all pre-award acquisition time zone stuff. And if you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, they're in episode number three. All right, we'll get specific about why the government cares in the industry and why industry cares here. We've talked already about why the government cares. This acquisition stuff is pretty hard. New ideas, especially those that are similar to the way you buy for your company, commercial buys, or your personal buying, new ideas like that are difficult to insert into the GovCon world in a protest-proof way. 
But, but keep trying, government folks, because once somebody figures this out, how to write a source selection plan that allows you to do something like this in an intelligible way, then it can be used over and over again to do a better job of delivering stuff for the country, for your agency, for the mission, for your office. And, and it's critically important on the industry side. Don't vilify people for trying new ideas. I mean, yes, you're going to have to protest things now and then. Yes, you're going to have to. I mean, this, this validates communication up front before you get to the protest point. But don't vilify the government folks for trying to do things in what is effectively a common sense way on the commercial side. In business to business, business to consumer, this happens all the time. Business to government, eh, it's a little harder to pull off. But I, I still give them points for trying it because you got to try new stuff, see what works. Industry folks, this is a great example of why the time to protest is when the RFP is released. If the communication hasn't been open beforehand, if the government isn't responding to concerns, if you submitted a bunch of comments to the draft RFP that said, we don't understand how to win, and they released the exact same thing in the final RFP, sometimes, sometimes you have to protest. If the protester in this case hadn't protested and had gone through writing an incredibly expensive proposal and then lost because they weren't in the best combination and protest then, it likely would have been denied just for being untimely because you only have a, sh a short window to protest after you receive the information you're protesting about. So when the RP is released, that window closes, what, 10 days later? It's actually five days. And it's five days from when you knew or should have known the information. So if it was in your inbox and you didn't open it until day four, you only got 24 hours. Right. So, so when the RP comes out, that's when you should have known. <laughs> if you didn't read you it, that's another problem. But you can't wait three months later and say, well, I never had a fair chance to compete at the beginning because the RFP didn't make any sense. Nope, too late. All right, Kevin, speaking of too late, this one's gone on long enough. So let's wrap it up here. Oh, yeah. Well, and at some point, we'll have to do an episode about timeliness <laughs> because that, that, it, that gets confusing for people. But yeah, that's a whole different conversation. It's a whole different rabbit trail. There you go. Too late. To Timeliness. Let's wrap this one up all in one. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, the, the, the big takeaway from the government side is keep trying new stuff. This was, this is an attempt at applying again, what I consider to be a common practice of, of combining different solutions in a way that makes sense for you. But the problem is it's difficult in this case, it's not possible to combine different uh, vendors after they, after they submit proposal. Too bad. I, I, I love, I love what they were trying to do. I think it totally makes sense. And I, I wish I had the answer for how to, how to write the source selection plan that, that would make this work. Cause it, it, it's, it's a good thing and yeah, good on, good on everyone involved for trying it and actually good on the company that protested for saying, Hey, this really doesn't make sense. I don't know how to win before it got awarded and everyone spent all that time and energy doing something that was all going to get invalidated by a protest later. For me, the, the solution to this is focus on the teaming side. M make the teaming arrangement part of your evaluation criteria. Focus on the, because that's what they want. They, they want the perfect combination to solve the, the problem. Yeah. That's how you get ahead. You look further upstream and say, hey, okay, industry, I need you to focus your energy on putting the perfect team together. Yep. Because it doesn't look like one person can do all this. Right. They, they were, I think what they're afraid of, Kevin, is that, they would get two proposals, one from A and B, one from offers A and B, and one from offers C and D. And the best case for them would actually have been offers A and C that didn't team together 
And then they're like, oh man, if we could only have this and this, then we'd have the perfect solution. So they tried, they tried it. (laughs) If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. I mean, yeah, there's there's no perfect solution here. (laughs) I got to end it with that. All right, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) All right, see you, Paul. Okay, that's it for today's podcast. Thanks for joining us. I have to say, we're really excited to announce on the Skyway community side that we've launched a new website and clarified the membership levels. We now have personal members, professional members, and premium memberships available. Personal members starting at only $20 a month gets you access to all of the content on the site. Professional members for just a little bit more get access to the Skyway team to answer your specific questions and also access to the tools on the site. Premium members get all that plus consulting hours built into the membership for the ultimate in personalized support. So please check out skywayacq.com where you can learn more about the different membership levels and which one is the best fit for you or your company. Okay, enough on that. Thank you again for listening today and we'll see you next week.